إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد Today then we have arrived at the chapter Babun Mina Shirki an Yastaghitha Bighirillah Aw Yad'u'a Ghayrahu The chapter that from shirk is that a person seeks aid and assistance and help and resort from others besides Allah or calls upon others besides Allah. <clears throat> so here then, Sheikh Al-Fawzan mentions, هذا الباب جاء في سياق الأبواب التي تبين أنواع من الشرك يقع فيها بعض الناس في مختلف العصور والأزمان. The chapter explains, or it is in the context of several chapters here, explaining the different types of shirk some of the people in different times have fallen into and fall into. So when he said, Mina shirk, from shirk, he means here in this chapter, from major shirk. This action that is going to be mentioned, it is one of the forms of major shirk. An To seek aid and assistance and deliverance in an affair that only Allah can aid you in from others besides Allah. And so, al-istighatha, it is talabul ghawth, seeking aid and assistance and deliverance. Wala takunu illa fi And it only occurs at the time of distress. Meaning, therefore, that the difference between the previous chapter and this chapter, the difference between al-isti'adha that we talked about last time and al-isti'adha that we are going to mention here, the difference between them is al-isti'adha is seeking help and assistance and uh, resorting to Allah before a calamity occurs. Whereas istighatha is seeking aid and assistance and deliverance from a calamity after it has occurred. So istighatha was the act of shirk some of them fell into in seeking that aid and assistance and help before a calamity occurred to them. Here now, istighatha is seeking the aid and assistance and deliverance from a calamity after it has occurred. أَمَّا الدُّعَى فَهُوَ عَامٌ فِي وَقْتِ الشِّدَّةِ وفي غيرها فعطف الدعاء على الاستغاثة أو فعطف الدعاء على الاستغاثة من عطف العام على الخاص دعاء to others besides Allah A person may do that Call upon others besides Allah 
before a calamity occurs or after a calamity occurs when when making dua to others besides Allah is that before a calamity occurs or after a calamity occurs the dua before dua when a mushrik for example calls upon others besides Allah makes dua supplicates upon others besides Allah seeks from them may do that prior to the calamity occurring or may do that after the calamity occurring dua is general the action of shirk occurring in dua generally is general. That could occur from a person before a calamity or after a calamity. Dua isn't a word indicating a specific situation or scenario. Whereas isti'adha is. Isti'adha indicates the affair prior to the Calamity istighatha is specific, indicating the affair after the occurrence of the calamity. Dua is general. So here in the title, when he says it is from shirk to do this istighatha, seeking aid and assistance and deliverance from a calamity after it has occurred, or supplicating and making dua to others besides Allah. The istighatha is something specific after a calamity. The dua is something general. And this is a type of concept you will come across in the Qur'an, in the ayat themselves, and in the language generally. It is here a case of a generality being mentioned after something specific. Istighatha is something specific after a calamity has occurred. A specific item has been mentioned. Then dua is am general. A generality has been mentioned thereafter. And that is very common. It is often seen it is in the ayat you will see examples in the quran where the general form of something or the generality is mentioned after something specific is mentioned so then he mentions al-istighathatu bil makhluq ala qismain seeking aid and assistance and help from the creation after some calamity or distress has occurred to you that has different scenarios to it two different scenarios are involved there the first al-istighathatu bil makhluq fima la yaqdiru alayhi illa Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala Fahadihi Hiya shirkul akbar Lianaha sarfun lil ibadah Lirayrillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala The first type is that you seek aid and assistance and deliverance from a calamity that has befallen you distress that you are in from the creation but it is an affair that only Allah is capable upon. It is not an affair within the realms of creation to assist you in. So if it is not an affair within the boundaries and realms of creation to be able to aid you in, and yet you seek it of the creation, then that is shirk. You are now seeking aid and assistance and deliverance.
from a calamity, from a circumstance that nobody is able to provide that except Allah in that circumstance. So now if you seek it from others besides Allah, you are seeking from them an affair that they are not capable of and have no uh, ability over. It is something specific to Allah only to aid and to rectify and to help you in that affair. Only Allah is able to do it. So now it is shirk if you call upon others in that affair and seek aid and assistance and deliverance from others in that affair. The second type though, الْإِسْتِغَافَةُ بِالْمَخْلُوقِ فِيمَا يَقْدِرُ عَلَيْهِ Seeking aid and assistance and help from the creation in an affair that they do have ability in. They are able to help you in this affair, whatever the affair is. An example, the Shaykh mentions, كَاسْتِغَافَةِ الْإِنسَانِ بِغَيْرِهِ فِي الْحَرْبِ لِيُسَاعِدَهُ وَيُنَاصِرَهُ عَلَىٰ عَدُوِهِ A person seeks help and assistance from others in creation in the scenario of war, for example, seeks help and assistance from others to help him and assist him against the enemy. So are they able? Of course, they can help him. They can provide him assistance in that fight against an enemy, whoever the enemy is. So they are capable of providing something here. They are capable of helping and aiding this individual or this country or whoever it is in this particular affair. So that is the second type, seeking istighatha from creation, but in an affair where creation does have ability to do something. In that case, that scenario, that type is permissible then. كَمَا قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَمْ مُوسَىٰ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ Just like it is mentioned in the Qur'an, in the story regarding Musa alayhi salam, when he witnessed the two men arguing, فَاسْتَغَافَهُ الَّذِي مِنْ شِيَعَاتِهِ عَلَى الَّذِي مِنْ عَدُوِهِ The one who was from his people, he sought istighatha, help and assistance from Musa alayhi salam against the other one. And in the story it mentions Musa alayhi salam, hit that other one, struck the other one, and he died. So in that instance, the first individual sought istighatha in Musa. Because Musa alayhi salam, as it's known from the messenger Musa, he was a powerful man, physically of strength. He was physically a powerful man, a, a man of great strength. And it's mentioned later on in the ayat of the Qur'an about the well and the removal of the rock, that he could do it and others, it would take multiple individuals to do it. He was a man of power. So this other individual, فَاسْتَغَاثَهُ He sought istighatha in Musa alayhi salam, aid and assistance. After that situation of distress he was in against that other individual and the argument that was occurring, so he sought the istighatha. Was Musa salam able to do something and help him in that situation? Yes, of course. So this is seeking istighatha in creation in something they are capable of. And that is permissible. But the istighatha that is impermissible is the first type when you seek it of creation in an affair that creation has no ability within. Creation has no... Uh, 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 ability, no qudra upon that particular affair. فَالِسْتِغَاثَةَ بِالْمَخْلُوقِ فِيمَا لَا يَقْدِرُ عَلَيْهِ كَالِسْتِغَاثَةَ بِالْأَمْوَاتِ An example here now of a type of istighatha in other than Allah in creation that would be haram is istighatha in the dead. 
seeking istighatha from the dead, we know that is instantly haram and impermissible because the dead obviously have absolutely no ability to help you in whatever the affair is. Whatever the affair is, a dead person in his grave has absolutely no ability to aid you. So from the very get-go, from the very beginning of this istighatha, it is impermissibility shirk. You are seeking it and others besides Allah in the dead, and the dead cannot aid you in any affair. Another example, fil ghaibin Seeking istighatha from those who are absent. And that brings us back to the famous story always, and the scholars always mention it in this context. The story of the Sufis when they were out in the ocean, and their ship is about to sink, and then they call upon their sheikh. They call upon their imam, their sheikh, save us, oh sheikh, our sheikh, we're drowning. He is hundreds of miles away somewhere on land, they are out hundreds of miles away on sea. Is this istighatha permissible? Maybe the sheikh, maybe he's a good swimmer, maybe he's capable of, but why is it impermissible? He is absent, can he even hear them call upon him, can he even hear their shouts and their cries for help? He cannot, so can he aid them in any way if he cannot even hear them in the first place? They are not even in his presence in the first place. Impossible, therefore this is impermissible, it is haram. He is now in a situation where it is in, he is incapable of helping you. Because he is not even there, who are you calling upon? Of course in the story he hears them and saves them. That is from the uh, misguidance and the deviance and the shirkiyat that you see in those kinds of stories of theirs. But calling upon someone who is absent, he cannot hear your call and cry for help in the first place, then certainly he is in a situation of being incapable of aiding you and helping you in any way. That is therefore impermissible. That would be major shirk. Calling upon somebody like they do, Ya Ali, Ya Hussein. And that's like the other famous story, the true story of when the ship was sinking and the journalists, they asked the survivors afterwards, the ship that sank off the coast of Yemen, I think. And the survivors, they said, yes, when we were sinking, we were all making dua. The journalist said, how? Explain the situation. What was it like? He said the ship was sinking and the water was coming in and we were all making dua. Ya Ali, Ya Hussein, save us. So this is all from the shirk. لِأَنَّهُ يَسْتَغِيثُ بِمَنْ لَا يَقْدِرُونَ عَلَى شَيْءٍ أَبَدًا فَالَّذِينَ يَسْتَغِيثُونَ بِالْأَضْرِحَةِ وَبِالْأَوْلِيَاءِ وَبِالصَّالِحِينَ وَالْأَمْوَاتِ أو يستغيثون بالغائبين من الجن أو بالشياطين كل هذا من من النوع الممنوع. So those who call upon the shrines and the tombs and they call upon the so-called awliya on the dead or they call upon those who are absent. For example, those who call upon the jinn calling out to the jinn and they do not know the jinn. Where are the jinn? They do not see the jinn calling upon the shayateen, all of these forms of istighatha, seeking aid and assistance and deliverance from a calamity or distress you are in, it is haram, impermissible shirk. The shaykh also explains the different types of dua, but then, it goes into the evidences that are mentioned. Uh, who wants to read the chapter first then? How are you going to do it? Where's the, uh...
باب من الشرك أن يستغيث بغير الله أو يدعو غيره وقول الله تعالى ولا تدعو من دون الله ما لا ينفعك ولا يضرك فإن فعلت فإنك إذا من الظالمين وإن يمسسكم ذه بضر فلا كاشف له إلا هو الآية وقوله فبتغوا عند الله رزقه وعبدوه الآية وقوله ومن أضل, ومن أضل ممن يدعو من دون الله من لا يستجيب له إلى يوم القيامة الآيتين وقوله أمن يجيب المضطر إذا دعاه ويكشف الصوء الآية رواء الطبراني أنه كان في زمن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم منافق يؤذي المؤمنين فقال بعدهم قوموا بنا نستغيث برسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من هذا المنافق فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إنه لا يستغاث به وإنما يستغاث بالله So the first evidence in this chapter, Qawlillahi Ta'ala, وَلَا تَدْعُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَنْفَعُكَ وَلَا يَضُرُّكَ فَإِنْ فَعَلْتَ فَإِنَّكَ إِذًا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ And do not call upon others besides Allah, those who do not benefit you nor harm you. And if you do that, then you will be from the wrongdoers, from the mushrikun. So in this ayah, and the one that comes after it as well, وَإِنْ يَمْسَسْكَ اللَّهُ بِذُرْءٍ فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّا هُ And if Allah decrees upon you some harm, then nobody can expose that or remove that except He. وَإِنْ يُرِدِكَ بِخَيْرٍ فَلَا رَادَّ لِفَضْلِهِ And if Allah decrees some good for you, then nobody can turn that away from you. Nobody can remove that away from you, deviate that away from you. يُصِيبُ بِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah decrees that upon whom He wishes from His servants, and He is the off-forgiving, the off-merciful. So in this ayah, Allah prohibits us a prohibition. لا تدعو من دون الله ما لا ينفعك ولا يضرك. Do not call upon besides Allah those who do not benefit you nor harm you. This was the prohibition that Allah revealed, addressing the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, telling him. Do not call upon others besides Allah. Those who do not harm you nor benefit you. And so when Allah revealed this ayah addressing the messenger, what is addressed to the messenger is also an address to the whole ummah, unless there is any evidence to indicate it was specific. This is absolutely open. It is an address to the whole of the ummah. Do not call upon others besides Allah, those who cannot benefit you, nor do they harm you. مَا لَا يَنْفَعُكَ وَلَا يَذُرُّكَ أي الذي لا ينفعك ولا يضرك وذلك لأن المدعو إما أن يطلب منه جلب, جلب خير وَإِمَّا أَنْ يُطْلَبَ مِنْهُ دَفْعَ ضَرَرٍ وَهَذَا إِنَّمَا يَخْتَصُّ بِاللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى Because when you are calling upon someone, either you are calling upon them to bring you some good, or you are calling upon them to remove some harm from you. And the decreeing of good upon you, or the removal of harm from you, that is all controlled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can bring good to you if Allah has not decreed it for you. 
No one can remove harm from you if Allah has decreed the harm to befall you. فَإِنَّهُ هُوَ الَّذِي يُقَدِّرُ عَلَىٰ أَوْ يَقْدِرُ عَلَىٰ دَفْعِ ضَرَرِ وَجَلْبِ الْخَيْرِ It is only Allah who is capable of bringing you good or removing harm from you. وَدُعَاءُ الْأَمْوَاتِ وَأَصْحَابِ الْقُبُورِ وَالْأَصْنَامِ وَالْأَوْثَانِ وَالْأَشْجَارِ وَالْأَحْجَارِ لَا يَجْلِبُ خَيْرًا وَلَا يَدْفْعُ ضَرَرًا Calling upon the dead in their graves, upon the idols and statues and trees and stones, all of these besides Allah, none of them will bring you any good or remove any harm. وَكُلُّ مَا يُدْعَى مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ بِهَذِهِ الْمَثَابَةِ and everything and anything that is called upon besides Allah is in this same situation. It cannot bring you any good. It cannot remove any harm from you. And then Allah mentions, فَإِن فَعَلْتَ And so if you end up doing that though, يَعْنِ دَعَوْتَ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ مِمَّا لَا يَنْفَعُكَ وَلَا That you do call upon others besides Allah in an affair that they cannot help you with, they cannot remove the harm or bring the good. وَهَذَا مِنْ بَابِ الْإِفْتِرَاضِ And this is only, of course, a supposition. It is just an example being given that if you were to do that, and of course we know the messenger himself would never do that, but it's an example being given to indicate the results. وَلَكِنْ لَوْ قُدِّرَ أَنَّهُ فَعَلَهُ وَهُوَ أَكْرَمُ الْخَلْقِ If we suppose for the example to be understood in the ayah, that Allah is saying, if you were to do that, supposing, and of course the messenger never would, but supposing you did that, then what would be the conclusion regarding the messenger even? فَإِنَّكَ إِذًا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ that you would be from the wrongdoers. That anybody who does that, calls upon others besides Allah, seeks the deliverance, removal of harm, bringing of good, then they are from the wrongdoers, they are from those who have fallen into shirk. So that is an example being given. Otherwise, of course, the messengers, the messengers, all of them, it is known they cannot fall into these affairs of shirk or major sins. Also, it is mentioned the example in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ وَلَتَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ That it has been revealed to you and to those who came before you, that if, supposing, you were to commit shirk, then your actions would all be destroyed and you would be from the losers. Address being given to the prophets and messengers, supposing, and they never would, but supposing they were to do that, then even they, all of their actions would be destroyed. And of course the messengers do not do that, but for the address regarding the rest of the ummah, then certainly the ummah, there is the possibility of falling into that. And if a person fell into that, then the ayah tells you, لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ وَلَتَكُونَنَّ مِنْ الْخَاسِرِينَ That your actions would all be fallen, destroyed, and you would be from the losers. And then, after giving some more examples of the prophets and messengers, and how even if they were to fall into this supposing then even their actions would be destroyed, what therefore of the rest of us then, if we were to fall into these actions, then certainly our actions would be destroyed and they would be fallen. So then when Allah said, ثُمَّ قَالْ فَإِنْ فَعَلْتَ فَإِنَّكَ إِذًا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ يَعْنِي مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ That if you were to do that, call upon others to seek goodness or to remove harm, then you would be from the mushrikeen, min al-zalimeen, ay min al-mushrikeen. You would be from those who have committed shirk. Because zulm, the linguistic meaning of zulm, is wadu shay fi ghair mahallihi, to put something 
outside of its place. So when you call upon someone besides Allah, you have put your dua out of its place. Its place is that you do it only for Allah. When you call upon others or worship others, you are putting your worship out of place. It is therefore dhulm, it is in this instance therefore shirk. Then the ayah mentions, وَإِنْ يَمْسَسْكَ اللَّهُ بِذَرْءٍ فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ That if Allah overcomes you with some harm, and it could be different types of harm, it could be a loss of your wealth, it could be a loss of your health. These are all from the forms of the loss of your wealth, the loss of your health, the loss of other affairs that are of value to you. If Allah was to decree some harm of this nature upon you, then no one can remove that except Allah Himself. If Allah decrees that harm upon you, nobody is going to be able to remove that except Allah Himself. And the opposite is true as well. وَإِنْ يُرِدِكَ بِخَيْرٍ فَلَا رَادَّ لِفَضْلِهِ If Allah wants some goodness for you, then nobody can repel that goodness away from you. If it is decreed for you, then it is for you. And that is like the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ النَّاسَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ If all of the people, they united, all of them came together to do some good for you, they would not be able to still, unless it was something decreed by Allah for you. And the opposite, وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَذُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَذُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ if all of them, all of the people, they united and plotted and planned against you in order to harm you, they would not be able to do so unless it was something decreed by Allah. The pens have been raised and the uh, papers have dried up. So it indicates that everything is in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody can bring you harm or good, no matter if all of them united and planned and plotted. No one can do an affair except that it is decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, Allah says here in this ayah, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ لَكُمْ رِزْقًا فَابْتَغُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الرِّزْقِ وَعَبُدُوهُ وَاشْكُرُوا لَهِ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ Those whom you worship besides Allah, the ayah says, the meaning is, those who you worship besides Allah, لَا يَمْلِكُونَ لَكُمْ رِزْقًا they do not control or own or possess any rizq for you. Those who you call upon besides Allah, they do not possess any rizq for you, any sustenance, any wealth to give you. So then what does Allah tell us? So in that case, seek your assistance, your uh, sustenance, your provisions from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They, the others you call upon, control nothing, have nothing to give you. They cannot provide you rizq. rizq. So seek your rizq from Allah. And worship Him. And be grateful to Him. And be thankful to Him. إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ To him you will return. هَذَا مِنْ جُمْلَةِ مَا ذَكَرَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَنْ خَلِيلِهِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامِ This is from amongst the affairs 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had mentioned in regards to Ibrahim alayhi salam. And so when Allah said, فَبْتَغُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الرِّزْقِ Seek your sustenance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَيْ أُطْلُبُ الرِّزْقَ مِنَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ قَرِيبٌ مُجِيبٌ لِمَنْ دَعَاهِ وَلَا تَطْلُبُ الرِّزْقَ مِنَ الْأَوْثَانِ الَّتِي لَا تَمْلِكُ شَيْئًا Seek your sustenance and your rizq from Allah. And He is close and answers the dua of those who call upon Him. And do not seek it from others, from the idols and statues and so-called deities that control nothing for you. وَعَبُدُوهُ وَشْكُرُوا لَهُ And worship Him, be obedient to Him, and be grateful to Him and thank Him. And that's why a Shaykh Al-Fawzan then says, فَالرِّزْقِ إِنَّمَا يُسْتَجْلَبُ بِعِبَادَةِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى You seek your sustenance, it is sought and it is gained through obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَمَّا الْمَعَاصِي فَإِنَّهَا تُسَبِّبُ مَنَعَ الرِّزْقِ You hear the scholars mention this a lot. Sinning is a means to preventing your rizq. Sinning is a means, is a cause for your rizq to diminish. Whereas obedience to Allah is a means of obtaining and gaining rizq. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned to us in the Qur'an, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّقِ that I create, I did not create the jinn or the humans except for them to worship me. I do not want from them rizq. And I do not want from them to feed me. Indeed, Allah is ar-razzaq. So through obedience, you gain that rizq from Allah. And through sinning, you prevent that rizq coming to you. فَمَا يَحْصُلُ فِي الْأَرْضِ مِنَ الْمَجَاعَاتِ So the shaykh says these famines that occur upon the earth, وَمِنْ شُحِّ الْأَرْزَاقِ And from the restricted and limited amounts of rizq that becomes available, إِنَّمَا سَبَبُهُ الْكُفْرُ وَالْمَعَاصِ That the reason behind that is the kufr and the sinning from the people. وَمَا يَحْصُلُ فِي الْأَرْضِ مِنْ خَيْرَاتِ وَأَرْزَاقِ فَسَبَبُهُ الطَّاعَةِ وَالْعِبَادَةِ إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ اسْتِدْرَاجًا And as for what occurs upon the earth from the goodness and the sustenance and the provisions, then that is from, or the cause of it is, the obedience and the worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, except in the instance that maybe Allah is allowing someone to be given rizq, despite them being upon sinning, as a further punishment upon them, further leading them down the road of their misguidance. And then at the end Allah mentions, وَقَوْلُهُ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ فِي الدَّارِ الْآخِرَةِ بَعْدَ الْمَوْتِ فَيُجَازِيكُمْ بِأَعْمَالِكُمْ that indeed to Allah you will return and then He will recompense you upon your actions. And then we have the ayah, وَمَنْ أَضَلُّ مِمَّنْ يَدْعُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَنْ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ This is an important ayah where Allah tells us who is more misguided than the one who calls upon others besides Allah who do not reply to Him up until Yawmul Qiyamah. He calls upon others besides Allah, upon the dead and the graves, etc. And they will not respond to Him all the way to Yawmul Qiyamah. They will not respond to Him. Who is more misguided than the one who calls upon these besides Allah and they will not respond to Him till Yawmul Qiyamah if He continues?
So this indicates the great deal of misguidance that they have fallen into. And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned, أَنَّ مَا يَحْصُلُ لِعُبَّادِ الْقُبُورِ مِنْ قَضَاءِ الْحَاجَاتِ فَلَيْسَ ذَلِكَ دَلِيلًا عَلَى صِحَّةِ مَذْهَبِهِمْ لِأَنَّ حُصُولَ الْمَقْصُودِ يَكُونُ ابْتِلَاءً وَامْتِحَانًا مِنَ اللَّهِ That some people when they go and call upon the dead and they get what they were asking for from the dead, that is not a sign that they are upon the correct methodology that is simply a further test and trial upon them. And this is where Ibn Taymiyyah mentions that story. أَنَّهُ يُمْكِنُ أَنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ تَتَصَوَّرُ أَحْيَانًا بِصُورَةِ الْمَقْبُورِ وَتَخْرُجُ عَلَى النَّاسِ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ الْقَبْرِ بِصُورَةِ الْمَقْبُورِ وَتُخَاطِبُهُمْ That it's possible when they used to go to the graves of the dead and call upon those dead, that those dead would rise up looking like who those people were. But it was the shayateen and the jinn, of course, rising up from the grave, having taken the appearance of that deceased individual, rising up from the grave and speaking to these people who were calling upon them. And those spirits rising up say to these people, we will take care of your needs for you. And sometimes these people call upon them and they rise up and answer their dua. And they go and get them all sorts of things from different places and do different things for them. But this is not the actual deceased individual. He is deceased and does not know what is occurring upon his grave. This is the shaitan, the shayateen of the jinn, who rise up in the appearance of that individual, further putting to trial these people calling upon them. And it mentions on Yawmul Qiyamah, إِذْ تَبَرَّأَ الَّذِينَ اتُّبِعُوا مِنَ الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوا وَرَأَوُ الْعَذَابُ وَتَقَطَّعَتْ بِهِمُ الْأَسْبَابِ That on Yawmul Qiyamah, those people who were followed, they will declare their innocence from the ones who used to follow them. They used to call upon them, but they will declare their innocence from them. Calling upon us for what? They will declare their innocence from those who used to follow them, and the ties will be cut between them. And then on that day, the mushrikun will see the reality of what they ended up in and what they did. They who they used to call upon will cut themselves off from them. Then the ayah, أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُضَّرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءِ Who is the one who answers al-mudhar? Is the person in dire need. Someone who is in extreme distress and dire need. Allah says, who answers the dua of a person in that type of extreme situation? in that type of calamity and distress that a person finds himself in, then who answers the call of that type of person in that situation? And who removes that evil and harm and calamity and distress that person is in? Who removes all of that from that person in distress? And of course this ayah, is to highlight that this is of course Allah alone. It is one of those types of ayat in the Qur'an which is like a question. Who is it that answers the call of the one in distress and removes the harm from them when they call upon Allah? It's like a question. But these ayat in the Qur'an are not actually questions. They are in the form of a question, like rhetorical type of question to indicate either a blatant answer or a rebuttal. So this is like a rebuttal upon the mushrikun, that you know in that time of distress, nobody will answer your call except Allah. Because the mushrikun of old, at that time, they used to 
in times of distress and severity and death facing them, they used to call upon Allah because they knew their idols can't do anything. But in times of relaxation and ease, they would call upon their idols. So Allah rebuts them. Who is it the one who answers in the time of your most need? Who is the one who removes the harm from you in the time of your greatest need? And the mushrikun knew it is Allah alone. So this was a further rebuke upon them. هذا استفهام من الله تعالى للمشركين يقول أنتم تشركون بالله في حالة الرخاء ولكن إذا وقعتم في الشدة والاضطرار دعوتم الله مخلصين له الدين فأنقذكم It's telling the mushrikun that when you're in times of distress you know that you call upon Allah then and Allah saves you and it is not the others or your idols that you call upon then and the ayah mentions, وَإِذَا مَسَّكُمُ الظُّرْ فِي الْبَحْرِ ظَلَّ مَنْ تَدْعُونَ إِلَّا إِيَّهِ When that harm overcomes you in the sea, when the ships are about to sink and they're going to drown and die, then everything is lost except that they call upon Allah. There is no one else then. Sincerely they call upon Allah knowing only He is the one who يَكْشِفُ السُّوءُ He is the one alone who can remove that harm from you. And so if a person thought about this and understood this, how many people who talk about being depressed and people say such and such is in depression and such and such has uh, great anxiety and how can we advise this person or that person? This is the deficiency within the people. The greatest deficiency is the knowledge of Tawheed, the knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah. Look at what Allah has promised the people in the Qur'an, if only they knew, and if only they had Iman in that, and Aqeedah, and understanding in these affairs. No matter what distress, difficulty, calamity, overcomes an individual, no matter what the situation may be, then he remembers these types of ayat in the Qur'an, remembers that everything is in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and remembers like the example of the man who is lost in the desert, and then uh, because his camel disappears, that hadith about the camel disappears, a man is in the desert with his camel, and the camel disappears. So the man thinks that's it, he's finished. In the middle of the desert, he can't get out, he can't walk out, he needed his camel. He sits down thinking that's it, death is going to come to me now, going to die here. Then when he awakens, all of a sudden, out of the blue, his camel has appeared. Allah has decreed safety for him. His camel appears, and from the greatness of his joy, he says, I am your Lord and you are my slave. Accidentally, from the greatest of his joy at that time. But the point being, in times of distress, it is only Allah that will save you. إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ yusra. Indeed, with difficulty comes ease. And also, many ayat in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how He makes a way out for those in distress and calamity. وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهُ Whomsoever fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will make a way out for you. So here Allah says, who is it the one who answers the one in distress and need and removes the harm from him, it is of course Allah. So what are you making your istighatha with others and dead and deceased and graves besides Allah for? And then, رَوَى الطَّبَرَانِ بِإِسْنَادِهِ أَنَّهُ كَانَ فِي زَمَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ رَجُلٌ مُنَافِقٌ يُؤْذِي الْمُؤْمِنِينَ it is mentioned that at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was a hypocrite who used to harm the believers. So some of them said, some of the Muslims, They said, come with us, get up, let's go to the messenger and seek istighatha from him against this munafiq. This munafiq was causing problems for them. Uh, bringing harm to them, doing bad to them. So they said, get up, let's go to the messenger and seek istighatha in him against this munafiq. Firstly, is that a permissible type of istighatha or not? Permissible. Can the messenger not deal with this munafiq? Of course he can. 
So that is a permissible type of istighatha. The messenger can deal with that munafiq. So they said, get up, let's go. Let's go and seek from the messenger to deal with this munafiq. In terms of the background to the narration before we get to the events and what happened then after that when they went to the messenger, the shaykh, he gives some basic background. Nifaq and nifaq, hypocrisy is two types. Al-nifaq al-amali and al-nifaq al-i'tiqadi. Nifaq, i'tiqadi, hypocrisy in belief, that is kufr. That is the hypocrisy of the munafiqun at that time. The hypocrisy was in belief. Outwardly they showed iman, but in their belief they were upon kufr. That is the major hypocrisy, shirk, kufr, exit from the fold of Islam. But as for the other type, al-nifaq al-amali, the nifaq of actions, then that is the smaller type. That is when a person does something which is actually a characteristic of the munafiqun. Like in the narration where it says, ayatul munafiqi thalath. The signs of a hypocrite are three. One of them, إِذَا حَدَّفَ كَذَا When he speaks, he lies. So now if somebody lies, they are doing something which is from the traits and the characteristics of the munafiqun. And وَإِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفَ When he makes a promise, he breaks it. Somebody now breaks their promises, they are doing something from the characteristics of the munafiqun. وَإِذَا تُؤْمِنَ خَانٍ And if that person is entrusted with something, he betrays the trust that has been given to him. And if he does that, it's from the characteristics of the munafiqun. So can Muslims end up in the characteristics of the munafiqun? Absolutely. A Muslim may end up in these bad characteristics and end up doing these things. But does that mean he's become a hypocrite outside of the fold of Islam? No, because these are hypocrisy of actions. And that does not exit a person from the fold of Islam, but the hypocrisy of belief, that exits a person from the fold of Islam. So when they went to the messenger then, to go and do the istighatha in him, against that hypocrite, they said to the messenger, or they went and they sought that istighatha from the messenger, but the messenger said to them, فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِنَّهُ لَا يُسْتَغَاثُ بِي وَإِنَّمَا يُسْتَغَاثُ بِاللَّهِ That you do not seek istighatha in me, rather you seek istighatha in Allah. Notice, like we said, was this a permissible type of istighatha? Even then the messenger guides them and advises them, do not seek istighatha in me, seek it in Allah. To further emphasize to them the point of istighatha in Allah, even though this, what they did wasn't incorrect, but to further emphasize the point that the istighatha, it is an act of worship to be sought in Allah. Uh, so, it was possible for the messenger to help them. It was possible for the messenger to deal with that munafiq. But still he said to them, seek istighatha in Allah. وَهَذَا مِنْ بَابِ التَّعْلِيمِ وَالسَّجِّ الذَّرَائِعِ لِأَلَّا يُتَطَرَّقُوا مِنَ الْإِسْتِغَاثَةِ الْجَائِزَةِ إِلَى الْإِسْتِغَاثَةِ الْمَمْنُوعَةِ This was to block any avenue to impermissible istighatha occurring. This was permissible what they sought, but he wanted to block that, to highlight and emphasize the impermissibility of seeking istighatha from others besides Allah. So it was sadd al-dharai' meaning blocking this avenue from the beginning, even though right now it wasn't impermissible. If you left it open, it could eventually lead to something impermissible. So he wanted to highlight that to them. There is a possibility of another explanation though. And the other possibility is that it could be argued that the messenger didn't have the ability to deal with this situation. So it would have been an impermissible request. If you put it into the context of saying that the munafiqun, what was the open treatment they were given? As though they are Muslim. The munafiqun, they were left to be as they were. 
And so it was not to specify and identify and say you are munafiq and then to deal with that person. The messenger didn't used to do that. Because if he did that in the narration it says, then the people would say that the messenger kills his own people if they began dealing with the munafiqoon and killing the munafiqoon. So it's possible it could be argued the messenger didn't want to open up that door to specifying who the munafiqoon are. So in this final narration, you see how the messenger prevented them, even though, upon the explanation of the scholars generally, it was something he could have done, but he prevented them to block that avenue opening up to istighatha occurring besides Allah in affairs that was not permissible. And this is an evidence to further highlight the impermissibility of the actions of the mushrikun or those who fall into these types of affairs when they seek istighatha from the messenger now at his grave. If the messenger was telling them when he was alive, إِنَّهُ لَا يُسْتَغَاثُ bi, Do not seek istighatha in me, seek it in Allah. Then what therefore of those who go and seek istighatha after his death? Seeking istighatha in the messenger, going to his grave, asking the messenger, aid us with this and aid us with that. And that brings us to the other story of the man who once posted a letter to the messenger, A4 piece of paper, he put his passport photograph on there, my name is Abdullah, whatever, whatever, put his wife's passport photograph onto this A4 piece of paper, her name, his kids' photographs, their names, then a small paragraph at the bottom of this paper, Ya Rasulullah, we need to basically istighatha with you, help us, we're in this situation, that situation, financial situation, this going on, that going on, istighatha, istighatha, madad. Folded up the piece of paper and threw it into the grave of the messenger, into that area. Afterwards, one of the security guards, when they clean up at the end of the day, found the letter, opened it up. MashaAllah, passport, photographs, all of their names and everything. Help us, O messenger, istighatha, madad. So this is all impermissible and this is all incorrect and this is from the doors of shirk that have occurred amongst the people. And the Sheikh gives the famous example of the Qasida or Busiri when he speaks about the messenger uh, with affairs that are only uh, permissible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's a famous poem. It is widespread upon shirk and all of its wordings and what is in it is shirk. It is a deviation, and he mentions that and quotes it, how the people these days have fallen into these types of affairs. So that is the chapter regarding al-istighatha, seeking the aid and the assistance after some calamity has befallen. Those two chapters, they go hand in hand, al-istighatha and al-istighatha, both of them go hand in hand, and their explanations are similar. So that's what we'll conclude on today with that chapter. Does anything to add or any question you can quickly say so now?
its people go. It's a, a known place to go do Arabic. I don't know any of the details up to date now. But previously, yes, it was something good, and the brothers they went, and some of the mashaykh they mentioned good of it. Allah. Anybody else? That's clearly allowed, because the doctor, his very purpose is to help you and assist you in medical matters. No, no, you're not asking the doctor to cure you. The doctor isn't going to cure you. The medicine isn't going to cure you. You take medicine not believing the medicine is going to cure you. You take the medicine believing it is a means that can be towards your cure. But ultimately, cure is not in the medicine, it is from Allah. You go to the doctor because it is a means to your cure. If you're ill and you've got some disease, you need to go to a doctor so he can diagnose you, he can give you some medicine. All of that is a means to getting better. But that doesn't necessitate you will get better at the end. You may go to 20 doctors and they do everything they can, but still at the end you are sick. Because shifa is in the control of Allah, whether you're going to become better or not. So doctors and going to them and seeking help and assistance, that's of course permissible. It is a means only. Taking medicine is a means only. It is not the medicine itself that is going to cure you. You don't take a paracetamol believing that's going to cure you. That's putting your trust in the wrong place. That is a means. You take that. It is a means Allah has given you if you want to take it. And you put your trust in Allah that He will cure you. So nobody says the shifa is in the hands of the doctor or the medicine. That is from Allah, but this is a means to it, which is permissible. Uthman ibn Farooq. Uthman Farooq. I don't know. Who is he? Well, by the looks of the locations he's going to. <laughs> the thing is why I asked some brothers, you know, I've asked them, been listening to him, thinking he's Salafid. Hmm. So I just got like a clarification from him. I don't know him personally, I don't know who he is personally, but you can see even from this list of this tour, and the places he's going to, and the locations he's going to, many of these locations, they are known for anything but... Salafiyya. Some of these types of locations, the individuals who are there, some of the locations I know them personally, they are people who follow deviants, mubtadi'ah, people who defended Abu Hassan al-Ma'rabi in the fitan that occurred before, uh, Ali Hassan al-Halabi, those kinds of individuals, those types of followers. These are the locations that he's going to. So with that type of uh, location and that type of background, it's not something which bodes well for an individual if that's what his cooperation is and that's what his communication is, as the Salaf they used to say. You cannot hide your reality from us in terms of your companions. You can hide whatever else, but you cannot hide your reality in terms of your companions. And if these types of people are his companions, then I would not advise uh, listening to this. And remember, look, when we talk about refutations, and we say, don't listen to this person or don't listen to that person. Nobody should take that with anything in their hearts that these people are always warning against this one and warning against that one. This is religion. You want to take your religion from the pure sources. Sources that are known, established. Sources that are pure. Sources now from the students and the scholars who are upon Salafiyya, upon Sunnah. Like we say, the scholars, they used to give an example or some of them mentioned when your car breaks down and the brothers, they tell you, don't go to this mechanic on that road over there. 
we went to him over the years and every time we go, he messes up the car. What are you going to do? You're not going to go there. You're not going to say, why are you guys always talking against people? You're going to say, Jazakallah khair, alhamdulillah, I was about to go pay him 500 pounds tomorrow. Good thing you told me, I'll go to the other guy instead. So happy. In a dunya we matter. But when it comes to war, to uh, religious matters, it comes to religious matters, somebody says, Akhi, you know what, I don't think you should listen to such and such because he's not reliable, he's not good, he's what it, what's going on with him and people he's going to, it's not looking good. Now all of a sudden, why are you talking against people? Now all of a sudden, when your religion, with your religion, you're open to anything. With your car, a piece of metal and, and iron and, and plastic, with that, beloved. Your 500 pounds, beloved. But your religion, somebody wants to give you advice about your religion, you find it difficult, it shouldn't be like that. The religion is advice, a nasiha, sincerity. When the scholars refute or they warn against someone, it's with sincerity. That they want goodness for you, they want goodness for your religion, they want you to be guided, they don't want you to be misguided. And this is something from the principles that is known from the times of the Salaf, that they mentioned, Indeed, this knowledge is religion. So look carefully to where you take your religion from. Even with this now, this individual, whoever, unless you have some details you can provide us, then you've looked, as the Salaf said, look to where you take your knowledge from. You can tell us and you can show us who this individual is, who his teachers are, who his scholars are, why he's going to all of these deviated types of locations. If you don't have these answers and you're generally following and listening anybody on YouTube and here and there, people who are just good speaking and they are entertaining and you like to listen to them because it's just something that makes you feel good, he's a good speaker. That's not the way. Only listen to those who are reliable, only listen to those who are going to give you your religion in the proper and good manner. And this is from religion, it is nasiha, it is advice, it is goodness between one another, ta'awun al-birri wa taqwa. It is not about, you know, people saying, you're always talking about this guy or that guy. It is only where there is necessity or need, only where you see something incorrect occurring, some misguidance occurring. So people like Yasir Qadi, famous on the internet and social media, and people all want to listen to him. Why? He himself denounces himself from Salafiyyah, Al-Maghrib Institute, and all these other different types of people. Don't blindly just go follow anyone, listen to anyone. Look very carefully to where you take your religion from. You would look around for a week or two weeks, hours and hours, going around on auto trader when you want to buy a new car. But when it comes to religion, khalas, he's coming, he's coming, listen to him, click on this. Anything, anywhere, listen to whoever. That is not the way. That is not the way. So be very careful, even with this individual you can see from those locations, I don't know him personally, but the locations and where he's going does not appear to be good whatsoever. So unless somebody can bring to us some information about him further, that he is good, and you can prove to us, then otherwise you don't just follow and listen to anybody. So I would not advise uh, blindly following and listening to people without having details and knowledge of them. So we'll leave it upon that then. It's time for the prayer.